There's a voice inside my head saying you'll never reach it. Every step I'm taking, every move I make feels lost with no direction. My faith is shaken, but I, I gotta keep trying. Gotta keep my head held high. There's always gonna be another mountain. I'm always gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. It ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. This is Channel 2 Radio, the Mindset Matters show with Sinat Noorani. Hello, 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 beautiful people. It's that time of the week, Friday, for the Mindset Matters talk show. I'm your host for the next hour and a half from 10.30 to 12 noon. Right, before I begin, I'd like to thank my sponsor, the Mindset Matter radio show who is in the house and just waving at me, uh, has been broadcasted over 30 episodes. That is over 80 episodes of sharing stories and expertise about mental health and well-being. He says, Zenat Narani is making a difference and changing the world one step at a time and one show at a time. Intune PR is proud to support the Mindset Matters show. Welcome, Darren Wheel in the house. Thank you very much. I'll just stop shuffling the microphone now. Yeah, that would be nice. We had a lot of shuffling and tapping last week, didn't we? Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, throughout this show, don't forget to connect on, with me on social media and remember to keep those tweets coming in. So comments, shout-outs, messages, whatever you want to share, this is the time. So it's Zenat underscore Narani, hashtag MSM shout-outs. And, of course, you can also email me at mindsethorizons.com at gmail.com. So if it's your first time listening into the Mindset Matters, this show is dedicated to supporting, making a difference and bringing about awareness, breaking down those stigmas around mental health and well-being. And to know that all aspects of our lives can be impacted if we ignore them. So it's about understanding ourselves, understanding others, in order to move forward, and a lot more than that. But you've got to start from yourself in order to be able to grow, to transform and nurture the love within you. Here we share lots and lots of tips, tools, insights, and of course stories that help you bring about that change. But most importantly, it's about knowing that you're not alone, that everyone goes through challenging times in their lives, um, and it's okay not to be okay, but also it's knowing that there are people out there that can help you move forward. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. So do not suffer in silence. Right, if you want to listen to this show and any past shows, you can always pop over to my podcast platform where it's all going to be downloaded on anchor.fm forward slash zenet hyphen narani. MSM, also available on Spotify, Google, Apple and Amazon. And if you missed the show last week, uh, that was show 90, you can head over there 
as Darren is here again, but Darren and I also announced the launch of our Let's Talk campaign, which has been inspired by Nihal. Go on, pronounce the, name, the surname for me. I was getting Arthur it wrong. Nyaka. Arthur Nyaka. There you go. I have to repeat it after him. Author of Let's Talk. Also, we've been inspired by Stacey Dooley, um, author of Are You OK? And many other inspirational people. And one of them is actually in the house, which is today's guest, Perry Power. Hello, Perry. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Uh, great. It's Good. great to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to finish my spiel and then we'll get into I'll you. I'll go on and I'll wait, yeah. Yeah, you can wait there, <laughs> but you can jump in any time you want. <laughs> so, um, you know, our campaign, Let's Talk, it's all about being able to speak out, share stories without judgments. So more and more, we, you know, we've noticed that there needs to be better conversations happening uh, with everything, every topic possible, in politics, in schools, um, in mental health, whatever it is, better conversations need to be happening. And the aim of Let's Talk is to be a catalyst for the better conversations in private and in public life that helps us to be better people and better in society. So, if you want to find out more about the Let's Talk campaign, we're gonna, you can head over to https colon forward slash forward slash www.letstalk.world Right, uh, as always, I like to kind of share what's happening this month, so news highlights. So it's still Black History Month, the annual campaign to highlight African and Black Caribbean history, heritage, and to promote greater understanding of the UK's diverse cultural heritage. So tweet in and let's know what have you been doing for Black History Month, how have you been making a difference? And what have you learned? Because this, I know schools are out there studying Black History Month at the moment, and there's lots of learning going on out there. So, you know, tweet in and find, let us know what's happening. What have you learned? What difference has it made for you? We have Blindness Month. So it's World Blindness Month this month. Also, I know it's passed, but on the 18th uh, was World Menopause Day, which is a topic that is spoken about a lot more these days within society and the workplace. There is still a long way to go, absolutely, but it is happening. And I think the important thing to understand, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this as well, is because I'm going through menopause myself, so perimenopause. Um, so, and it's amazing how it can impact you physically, and mentally so you get that brain fart you get the fog brain you get the stress the anxiety but sometimes it's really hard to know what's what especially if you've got other things going on in your life so take time to understand what menopause is all about and the impact it has on women importantly it's to understand that it is not an illness it is something that is natural it's part of life and if we think about it, if women didn't go through menopause, none of us would be here. Hmm, thought. Uh, if you <laughs> so, um, also, I think what's important is for you to understand that there's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed. So let's talk more about what's going on. 
Next week, my guest in the studio will be Chris Antonick, a professional blues rock music musician and a recording artist from Canada. Chris will be right here in the UK on his Morningstar tour, which is touring from the 4th to the 13th of November, starting in Ramsgate in Kent and finishing up in Sittingbourne in Kent. So, uh, you know what? Before we move on, let's hear a tune from Chris Antonick. And one of the songs that I've picked out is called Pilgrim. And this is about the importance of community, connection with others, building a new life after the divorce. So let's go for it. I've just messed up. <laughs> things for granted It's a weakness of mine But now I'm looking for changes In the heart and mind It's not a cry for help It's not dependency Culture of compassion
Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Sinat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insight, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Welcome back. And what interesting lyrics. So, yeah, do find out about his upcoming tour. Right, before we meet and speak with Perry Power, I'm going to do my affirmation of the week. So here we go. This week's affirmation is, each day I am more and more aware of my innate beauty, creativity and the abundance. So find a moment at some point today just a quiet space for yourself and believe in yourself as you reflect on this affirmation and how you might apply it to your life. And of course, do tweet in uh, if you would love to share your thoughts around this affirmation. All my affirmations can be found on Amazon in my little book called Begin Each Day with Positive Affirmations and Empowering Questions. Right, without further ado, Perry. Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> You're actually in the house and it's wonderful to meet you in person. No, thank you. It's great to meet you too. So Perry is an actor, author and a motivational speaker and a lots more, but also a campaign of breaking the silence. Also, uh, as I said, accompanied here in the studio is Darren Wheel of Intune PR, who I collaborate with on Let's Talk campaign and many other aspects, including the Bromley Buzz. But he is also Perry Powers PR. So, Perry, tell us about who is Perry and what is your story? You can start wherever you want. Wow. Shall I start at Perry Paws? Start where tickles your fancy. Well, so my story, I guess, in regards, in relation to the message that I have today and what I do and what I focus on, started when I was 11 years old. And I was at my nan's house and my stepmom caught my step-granddad sexually abusing me. And then she takes me out of the living room. She takes me home. She tells my dad. My dad sort of questions me about it. And then he said, okay, well, you're not going to go around there again. So you're not going to see him again. But also don't leave the house and tell your friends at school. Don't go and tell your mother, your biological mother. Uh, keep this here between the four walls of the house. Mm. And that was the start of a 12-year silence. And But to begin with, it wasn't it wasn't a tough thing because when he said keep it a secret, right, I was like, well, what on earth are you talking about? Mm. You know, my dad became the villain of my story in that moment mm. because my step-granddad was the hero, you know, because I didn't see what he was doing was wrong. So that there, that silence and eventually breaking the silence is what's kind of brought me to where I am today. Right. Uh, thank you as well coming on here to talk about this and it's uh, a topic that is well there's a lot of stigma around um, sexual abuse speaking up and this is something what you're doing hence breaking the silence um, when this happened at that point did you understand that there was something not quite right and what was actually going through your head when they told you do not speak up to anyone. Don't tell anyone at school. It stays within the four walls. Mm. 
it's, it's an interesting thing because I kind of I I switch between two answers, and one answer is I, I had no idea what he was doing was wrong. But then I think on a surface level that's true, but I think on a subconscious level, I think that's not true because I remember the one and only time I ever slept around my nan's house. I remember uh, going to bed in the spare bedroom and my nan and my step-granddad were in the doorway. He had his arm around her and they both saying goodnight to me mm. and then they walked out. And I remember lying there, scared and fearful because I'm like, well, he does things to me during the day. What's going to happen at night? And mm. I couldn't go to sleep for ages. Luckily, he didn't come in. He didn't do anything. But when I think about that scene, I'm like, well, I obviously knew something wasn't right. But I think at that age, because I didn't know what sexual abuse was, I didn't really know what sex was because I didn't have the, the conversation of the birds and the bees by that age that, that mm. I'm aware of. So at that age, I had obviously all of this conflict. So he's like, well, something's wrong, but he's my set granddad and all of our peers are correct and heroes and there's nothing wrong with them. And then it was a constant battle of what's right and what's wrong. And then when my dad told me to not speak out and not say anything, I... I didn't know what the extent of it was. So I didn't understand why he was having this reaction. I don't understand his anger, but my dad was a quite an angry person anyway. So it wasn't kind of, it wasn't really out of the ordinary. But then when he said, don't speak about it, I remember just being like, I was just furious with him, like a teenager just been told off by his parents. Uh, but it was kind of more the case of as the years went on and sexual abuse started to become a conversation to a degree. And then I knew what sex was. Then I knew what sexual abuse was. Then that's when the inner conflict and the inner demons started to grow because then I actually knew what was happening. Mm. So with these conversations suddenly opening up where you were learning about what sexual abuse was, where were these conversations happening and with who? Well, I think it's just... Or was it just you finding out by yourself? Well, I think it's as I became a teenager and as the hormones kicked in mm. and I... You know, watched American Pie. <laughs> and I was like, Stifler, oh, my hero. <laughs> right? And then, uh, so that's when the girls came into the picture. And that's when the topic of sex came into the picture. So, you know, sexual acts, as I started to get introduced to that, I'm like, huh, okay. This is awfully familiar. Mm. Right? And then there was con that's when the connection started. So it is more, it's more the case of as I started to get introduced to the world of being a, t a hormonal teenager thinking 24-7 about sex, that's when the sexual abuse kicked in. Because there's no, cause how can you not know what sex is and not know what sexual abuse is? Mm. So that was uh, where it really kicked in, and that's when I was like, okay. And then I started to see myself as, well, the victim and also the villain because I didn't put a stop to it as a kid, you know? Uh, so then that's when all of those, the, the thoughts that would punish myself for allowing it to happen, even though that's not true. Mm -hmm. But at the time, that's when it really started to be massive in my life. Okay. So talk to us about this, um, for our listeners, this victim mode and, you know, for people to understand what that actually is and how you make those thoughts become... So everything's that like, you're blaming yourself for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell our listeners what was going on through all that process. I think I think the the victim mindset and 
I think I think all of that comes with the awareness and I say leading with curiosity. When it gets to a stage where you are confronting the truth of your story and over what happened, you're going to be sitting with it. You're going to be sitting with the scenes, you know, playing it out like a movie. Then you're going to be thinking about the, the parties that were involved. Then you're going to be questioning everything, as we do as human beings. So we question everything, right? So we're going to be questioning, okay, well, why did that happen? Why did I not put a stop to it? Why did I trust them? And then with all these questions, it's easier to blame yourself than it is the other person. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's, it's, that's just facts for all of us. It's easier to see to say that I'm the one who's at fault than my granddad. So, because it's easier to blame ourselves, especially to begin with, then that's when the topics of shame comes up. Mm. I'm like, well, I can't tell somebody that my step granddad abused me, because then when if they start asking questions, I'm like, okay, well, did it just happen at once? No, it happened for a year and a half. Why on earth did it happen for a year and a half? Mm. And then, boom, okay, well, I must have enjoyed it, right? Oh, I should have known better. Mm. And then that's when the shame kicks in. And then you have the element of, okay, well, what if I, if I do tell somebody? Are they going to believe me? So then you have the fear of rejection, of denial, of, especially for yourself. And with the fear, with the shame, with the guilt as well, that's when that starts to develop as these thoughts and as these plagues within our internal world. Yeah. And that those three words are massive because when they all come together Yeah, it's a catastrophe. It's just literally it's almost like a volcano erupting. Yeah. yeah. I mean what I mean how okay, how did this impact your life when you suddenly though you start connecting those dots and thinking, Oh my god, this is probably what's happened to me and this was wrong and what's going on, I'm feeling this guilt. How did this impact you day to day and with your your relationships with mm you know, either friends or girlfriends at the time, if you were in a relationship or wanting to? Yeah, I think... I think it's impacted me in a way of... I got introduced to sexual acts from the age of 10 years old. So I am... And I have been since then. Sex has been in my world we didn't have intercourse, but it was sexual acts. But uh, the acts of sex and sexual things has been in my world since the age of 10 years old. So as I've gotten older, it's like it's become more of my world. So what that then spilled into is, okay, well, I'm just going to see females as sex objects, mm. right? And talking about American Pie and Stifler, okay, well, mm. I'm going to research the universities in the country that are on the top of the list of being party universities, and I'm going to go there. Right, and there's only one reason why I'm going there, mm. and that's exactly what happened. So, it kind of when I started to see and connect all these dots, I created the actor in me, created a character, Perry 2.0 almost. When we moved out of London, when I was living in London, I was a virgin, but I didn't want to be, I didn't have many friends, but I wanted a ton, and I was always living in fear, but that's mainly because of parenting my dad, he instilled fear into his kids. But then when I moved out of London, moved to this new place, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be this different Perry. So when I go to this college and they're all going to be talking to me and getting to know me, mm-hmm. there's going to be answers. Perry, you know, how have you slept with many girls? The answer is going to be not no. It's going to be, yeah, 26. Right. You know, and I just faked it all. And it was more of like a fake it till you make it because at the time I was like, well, I don't want to be this Perry anymore. So I'm going to create this new Perry and I'm just going to be that person until I be that person. And then that led into going to university, Kent University. Uh, and then that all came to a stop when 
I uh, saw an interview, Lewis Howes, he brought out a book called Mask and Masculinity. Mm. And he talks on there about all the masks. And Ellen's like, well, why did you write the book? And he goes, because I was abused as a kid. And I grew up wearing these different masks in order to fit in, in order to not be the boy who was abused anymore. And when he articulated it in that way, that's when it made sense. I was like, I saw it as creating a character. What I was really doing was I was creating these masks to put on, to hide behind. Mm -hmm. So nobody could actually see the vulnerable boy who was abused. Wow. It's interesting that you talk about the mask mm. because that is something many people often wear is a mask for various reasons. Obviously, your mask was because you were... Tr or it sounds like that internally, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, you're trying to create that new person because you don't want to accept the person that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was running away from the truth. Running from the truth rather than trying to face it. Correct. So at what point... Did you say, no, I need to stop running away? You've read the book. You know you're being masked. I mean, what point did that everything change yeah, for you? The first change came so when I saw the, the interview. I hadn't even gotten the book yet. But it's when I got there and I saw the interview, I was like, okay, how can I... I was like two to three years on my journey of personal development by that point. And I saw the interview. I was like, how can I start taking off the masks today? I was like, okay, well, my ex-girlfriend, she's working a pub. So I'm going to wait for her to get home and then I'm going to go for a walk with her and the dog and I'm going to tell her that the guy who she started dating in college wasn't the guy who she thought he was and mm. I was also abused as I was uh, as a kid and I remember going for a walk and I don't remember the conversation. There's a lot of things I don't remember in my life. I don't remember the conversation but I remember how I felt and I just felt naked in public mm. which is what vulnerability is mm. and, uh, and I told her I don't really remember her reaction, words-wise, but I remember her being very accepting. And I was lucky that that was her reaction. Uh, and that became the first point. Then the second point, about four or so months later, I was at a business mastermind event for four days. And the first day when we all introduced ourselves, I spoke out again, broke my silence again to people that I didn't know. Wow. And I had a welcoming reaction again, luckily. Then driving home from that event, I was like, right, now I need to tell the world. I don't want to tell every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I want to say it once and everyone knows. I just need to get it out. I was like, okay, well, I'll do it when I get home. I was like, well, no, you won't. Because when you get home, you're going to go back to your comfort zone. Mm. Right? You're going to sell yourself a story as to why you shouldn't do it. Because yeah, you've already done it twice now. It. Yeah, yeah. So I pulled over the car, took my phone, took me seven takes, did the video, put it onto Facebook, and then that was like the main. That's when it was like game over because of the reaction that I got. It went like semi-viral at the time on Facebook. Mm. And then that's really what put me onto the path to be living out this, this purpose. Led me to where I am today. Wow. Just going back to when you told your girlfriend at the time, and how did that feel for you, if you can remember, just saying those words and it actually coming out? Because internally we say things to ourselves and we think that's the way I'm going to feel. But then, when, but then you can also stop yourself from saying it. But when you actually say it, you can't go back. You can't take it back. Mm. And you get a sense of, oh, my God, why did I do that? Or a sense of, like, a whole weight's been lifted off your shoulder. What was it like for you? It was definitely towards the end like, uh, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I remember being freezing cold. Uh, and I tend to get like that if I if I get if I get nervous into a degree I get very cold 
or if I'm in my thoughts, I get very cold for some reason and I shiver. Mm. And I remember just shivering and being very, very cold. And I was stumbling over my words when I was telling her. And at first she had no idea what I was going to, what I was going to say. She thought I was probably going to come out with some joke or something. Mm. And, uh, and I remember being quite fearful for, there was a, there was a, there was a degree of me that I didn't care what her reaction was because I just needed to say it. Mm. But that might've been like 20%. The 80% was like, I'm actually quite fearful for, for what she's going to say and how she's going to mm. react. So, but like I said, I was lucky that uh, she gave me a hundred percent welcoming. And and that you know that's, I think that's there's an important message in there because we don't know how the other person's going to react. You can only know what you're thinking and feeling in that moment. And whatever the outcome is, each individual has to accept that. But a lot of the times we don't because we're fearful, as you said of what the other person thinks or might say. Yeah. And that's that's why I learning from I've had a lot of time to reflect over how I broke my silence and a lot of my message now is to not do it in the same way that I done it. I said because if I would have told my ex sorry, if I did tell my ex and she gave me a reaction that we go to one end of the scale where she says you're lying or you know, you deserved it or something. Something mm. very horrible. And then we go to the other end of the scale where she was very welcoming, but she, for some reason, just gave me too long of a pause because she's trying to th- think about what I've just said. Mm. But I could read into that pause that she just gave me and see that as a semi, semi, you know, she thinks I'm a weirdo, but she doesn't want to tell me. She's trying to think of how to, you know, we're in our thoughts. Yeah. So both ends of the scale was there. That could have sent me back into living in silence because now I associate my my story and my truth with rejection. So I tell people, listen, if, if you're living in silence, do not tell somebody right now. Don't make that your step number one. Rather, make that step number 12 or 13 or 21. Mm-hmm. Let's just do a number of 10, right? So if that's your step number 10, then make the first nine steps. You are t- breaking the silence and you're confronting your truth in many different ways to yourself in private. Because every single time you confront your truth from all angles, you're taking ownership over your story. You start to believe you. You start to know your truth. You start to own that. Mm-hmm. So then when it comes to telling somebody, you're not reliant on what their reaction is because that's completely out of your control. You're simply telling them, like I told my ex, like that 80%, I was telling her, but I was clinging on for whatever her reaction was going to be because I wanted to feel validated. Yeah. Right? But that validation that I was seeking needed to have come from me. Yeah, not from the external. Not from the external. But a lot of people are like, right, I'm going to tell somebody, which is beautiful because they're doing that. But they're setting themselves up to be very in dangerous territory. Yeah, external validation, which is very human nature, isn't it? It is. That we want people to agree with us, to make us feel better, or that we're actually doing the right thing or saying the right thing. But you're absolutely right. It has to come from internally. Mm -hmm. So how would you, you know, for our listeners out there, how would you begin doing those 10 steps before what kind of things would you be saying to yourself before you tell somebody what you know now? Yeah, yeah. And the good thing is, <laughs> is that there are there's an infinite amount of ways in which you can break the silence yourself. Because ultimately, I'll, I'll give some examples in a second. But the the thing behind it is that what you're essentially doing is you're releasing emotions that you've had trapped in you for so long through whatever form that you've chosen. 
So whether it's writing a poem and the poem is about mm -hmm. your feelings or you want to write a poem that's specifically about a story, okay, we use that those two examples, feelings and stories, for all of this. So you can write a poem, you could write a song, you could choreograph a dance piece, okay? You could go to pottery class and make yourself a mug. People might be like, well, that's weird. Mm. But the thing is, is if you mold in that mug and you're confronting your story within your internal world because the body does keep the score, your body does keep a hold of that trauma. So if you're able to try to release it through the mug, now you have a, uh, you have a physical representation of your story and of your truth, and it's this mug. And every time you look at that, you know, I owned my story when I done that. So now if you take that example, it could be anything. Anything, as long as you are doing it, but you're confronting the truth and you're opening up that 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 gate Absolutely. whilst you're doing it mm. as many times as possible until you get your you will get to a certain stage where you're like you know what yeah cool i know what i get I, I know what i went through but i'm owning that i'm not running from it anymore i know it happened i don't care what anybody says mm. when you when you're at that point i don't care what anybody says i know what happened then that's when you can tell other people because you, you're doing it from a place of power then yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, it's really interesting you've used all of those scenarios, the creative side, because research shows us that to release trauma, emotions and negative thoughts, uh, doing art, dance is... A, Big time, oh, yeah. I mean, I've used dance and skating my yeah. career. When I've had a bad day and I need to release, the first thing I would do is get on the ice and just skate and understand what's gone through and it would just release because we're all made up of energy mm -hmm. and we've got to release those emotional negative energies that's coming through us hence um, why i do a lot of um tapping eft it, it releases because you're accepting you're telling yourself the story yeah what's what's happened and then when that's released you then own it exactly exactly and that's a great example as well that that just shows how it can there is no, oh, but Perry, if, if, I, if I did this, is that considered breaking my silence? You know, somebody could say, if I did tap in, does that consider, mm. well, yeah, of course. L literally, anyway, any, anything that you, that you choose to, as long as it's you and you only, and you're confronting it, and you are releasing, then 100%. Yeah, there is no right or wrong, absolutely. No. It's what works for you. Exactly. We always say that as um, professionals, that, yes, there are strategies and tools, but do what works for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. It is, yeah. So, <clears throat> for you, when you're breaking the silence, how do you break your silence? Would you like to share that? What strategy or what do you do to f confront that story? What's worked for you? Uh, I'd say two things for me mainly. So, one is writing. Writing is very, very therapeutic. Like... Uh, yesterday was my auntie's funeral and I would prefer especially in the beginning days to write out something as opposed to speaking it because I need to sit there with my thoughts and I'll write I'll delete I'll write I'll delete then I write I'm like that that that's in alignment with you know I feel more, more I, I go based on feelings more than I do thought which um, pros and cons but that's why writing is, is very very big for me it always has been and then the other thing is visual storytelling, but in my mind. Mm. Uh, so, for example, my dog, uh, who I had to put down probably about two years ago now, she was my world, right? Mm. And worst day of my entire life. And for me, when it comes to breaking the silence over how I truly feel about that, 
and how I want that story to play out is a film. And I can picture it in my mind. I just need to get to work on the script. But I, I'm not because it's going to be a terrible experience when I start writing that script. But for me, Breaking the Silence, it usually falls within writing or it falls within wanting to make a movie for the screen yeah, that's awesome. because of how powerful it is. Yeah. That's amazing. If we were going to put a label on that, it's very much an NLP technique for any professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that visualisation, doing the movie, yeah. seeing what it is, running it forward, running it backwards and stopping it in places, it's very much that, like that. It becomes your own mm. script exactly. as well. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Um, okay, moving on to your book. So... All of, you know, your whole journey um, has led you on to your book called Breaking the Silence as well. Yeah, correct. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so I uh, was on episode three of the Jeffrey Epstein documentary and these girls were crying and they were saying how they couldn't speak out. They lived in silence because of the man that Jeffrey was and how they feared him. And it, I don't know, but it just, it just came into my head. Because I, I know at that point, I left my old business behind because I was like, I'm not in alignment anymore. And I was in this, I was in this limbo stage in life. And I liked writing, as we know. It's like, well, I've never written a book before, but I need a new way of getting my story out there. I've, I use social media every day for it. What's a new strategy? I was like, a book. Okay. That's a new category. Mm. So I then got to work on a book. And the book is split into three parts. Part one is my story. Part two is a story of 14 other people. And the last page of part two is story number 15. And that allows the writer to get a pen and write their story into the book and become the 15th survivor. Mm -hmm. And then part three is the steps that one can take to break their silence. And we talk about masculinity. We talk about letting go. We talk about forgiveness is a huge part of the journey yeah. and uh, yeah I wrote that book in 30 days and uh, released it self-published it and it got to number one in the sexual abuse and mental health categories on Amazon and then that book I tell I tell people all the time if you've got a story you need to write a book because mm. the book I tell you uh, became the biggest biggest domino that fell onto everything else and allows everything to happen why? because I've got a book and that there, by the way, I said earlier about breaking the silence, a mug, physical representation yeah. of my story, so is that book. Fantastic. You know, I think writing a book and being able to do that is fantastic. But there is a fear around that. Many people want to share their story through a book, but they come back and they go, how can I do that if I'm not a writer? Yeah. Because there are many people out there who aren't, who look at books and think, no, you've you've got to be brilliant at writing. You you know you need to be a content writer or a narrative person. But do you have to be qualified to write a book? Absolutely not. No, uh, I get that all the time. Mm. About yeah, I can't write a book. I'm like says who? I'm like says me. I'm like not believing that. Sorry. All right, because I say this all the time to people who ask that. And to be fair, so I have a coaching program that helps people write books and even after they've made a decision to write a book and they're in the program I still have to remind them of this because that, that voice still comes up they're in a the program like I can't do it I can't write this like, I've started writing what is this mm -hmm. I'm like silence that bloody voice down mm -hmm. right I said because at the end of the day your truth your story does is all that matters it does the writing for you 
people aren't reading your reading your book i mean how many complaints came out about the 50 shades of gray books <laughs> right how many complaints came out now whether it, they wrote it that way on purpose or not is, is a different story what i'm trying to say is, is that a lot of people said that that was written very very poorly mm-hmm. but the story even though it's not it's it's fiction right but the mm-hmm. story carried it now we all know that true stories are the most powerful things. So if that carried weight with a fiction story, what can a non-fiction book do telling a truth that lived in silence for so long? Which means that there's going to be a big pocket of people out there who'll be able to resonate with that. So for those people who's like, I can't, I can't write, I always say, well, you're going to, if, you, if you can speak, then that's okay because you write how you speak. Absolutely. Right? And there's editors out there who can do the finishing touches for you, but you write how you speak. And you share your story and the truth will carry the weight of the whole book for you. Yeah, excellent. I mean, there are so many ways to get your words onto paper. Yeah. I mean, we've got technology. Exactly. A word document, you just press the little microphone on the side and it types it away. Exactly, yeah. Um, so you've got your mobile phones. So your story can be shared, isn't that right, in many forms? Correct. It's just, it's, it's, here's the thing, it's like, for and there's a good portion of people out there who want to write a book for free because they can't afford to join yeah. a program and they can't afford to hire an editor they can't afford to do a graphic designer they want to do it for free but like oh but i can't do it i'm like well listen you know that youtube exists you know that you can go onto youtube and say how can i write a book you know that there'll be enough videos on there that will help you do the book for free mm. so it's not it's got nothing to do with how to write a book it's got to do with the fears of having your story mm-hmm. out there and you are communicating that in a different way and it comes across to you in its own language of, I don't know how to write the book, but that's not the actual problem. It's, okay, well, I'm very fearful of putting my story out there. What's my family going to think? Mm. People are then going to know what my story is. That's the real issues. Yeah, it is. It's, it yeah. generally is. It's external fears yeah. rather than your own. Mm. And those belief systems that we often have yeah. that may not be serving us. You know what I love about your book is also the practical exercises you've got here. So it's not just a book with the stories uh, that can inspire people and get them thinking, but to actually take action. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. You don't often get that in books. So, you know, if you've got a book, you'd end up scribbling on the side or yeah. things. But here you've got actual questions that can trigger those emotions, those thoughts, for them to move forward. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I didn't want people to read the book and then be like, hmm, okay. And then mull it over. Because most people, when they read a book, they forget about it. Uh, so I wanted them to read the book, grab a pen, and actually take action. Because they could be, read the book. It doesn't happen for everyone. It's happened for quite a few people. But they read the book. By the time they've gotten to the end of that book, they've broken their silence. Because they stop on that page. And they write their story in there. And the story could be one sentence. It could be ten paragraphs. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly what I wanted to get across. Yeah. And also, what you have in there, which I think is wonderful... Uh, are the quotes. Yeah. Because as you, you know, you read a quote and then you read what you've written or the text or the story and you kind of end up connecting the two. So with your quotes that you've used in there, are they connected to each of those person's uh, story or are they ones that resonated with you that you wanted to have in that book? They resonated with me. Yeah, they resonated with me. Uh, that would have been better. It was your first idea. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, they resonated with me. Okay, yeah. And I'm a big guy on quotes. I think some people think they're cheesy, but I think that quotes, quotes, yeah, quotes are very powerful, especially if you happen to read the right quote within the right moment. Mm. 
and could shift things into perspective for you. I'm reading a book at the moment, um, I was saying this earlier before, it was on air called The Art of War. And he, he, it's like over half of the book is written in a way where every single page, three quarters of it is blank and at the top of it, it's just a very, very short paragraph. Basically his thought that he's just written on a piece of paper, then you look at the next page and it's just a small little thought. That could be a quote, that's what I'm trying to say. So because it's short, mm. You know, you're not writing a page, you're writing two sentences, which means that you need to get across what you want to say within those two sentences. And that, I think, can really put you onto the right path sometimes when you need it, which is why I included those in there. Um, and I've actually had a lot of people saying that quote was powerful mm. before reading it. Yeah, I do love some of those. So right now, what would be one of your most impacting quotes for you? And I'll put you on the spot here. Have a Should we go into a break and maybe you can think maybe. about it? How about we do that, guys? <laughs> Let's go into a break. I've really put him on the spot there. Okay, we're going to go into Sarah Borelli's Gravity. Something always brings me back to you takes too long No matter what I say or do I still feel you here till the moment I'm gone You hold me without touch To drown in your love and not feel your rain.
Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Sinat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insight, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. 
what two beautiful tunes I played there. So we had Gravity and Together in this. Really, really powerful words in that song. Right, before I ask Perry for his quote... <laughs> he's looking I've at got me. It. I've got you, it. He's got it, or is he Googling it? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to read out a couple of tweets. Uh, Sarah Marsh Collins has tweeted in, it must be so hard to tell people as an adult that uh, sexual abuse has happened to you as a child. You must feel um, you will always carry that label and be viewed differently. More reasons why it's so hard for survivors to tell their story. Mm. And then she's also tweeted, and so brave of Perry Power saying, I'm not going home. It's my comfort zone. I need to tell my story now or I won't do it. That's incredible courage. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, lovely. Sorry, my lovely. Sarah. Sarah. So, absolutely wonderful. Right, tell us your quote. My quote is I tend to have a quote attached to me at certain intervals in life, which I think makes the most sense. And the one at the moment is. The actual quote is to walk as far as you can see. Right? And the reason why that resonates with me at the moment is because with things like the documentary and the film that I'm working on, I have I know where I want it to go and I know the impact that I want it to create. And I think at certain times that can create resistance mm. within me because of how big the dream is. And I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with this. When you have a big, big dream it takes a lot of work to sit down and actually take action on that dream. Okay, because there's a lot of resistance. I watched this video uh, recently where this guy had a bottle of water on the table and you see this big shadow coming off of it and he goes, basically, if you've got like a, I don't know, like a small mug, it's going to have a small shadow. You have this big-ass bottle, it's going to have a big shadow. Mm. And he goes, and the bottle represents the dream. So in order for you to get the dream, to have the bottle, you got to have to fight through that shadow first. And the bigger the shadow which can create overwhelming people, basically should really mean, well, the bigger the dream is going to be if you fight through it. And for me, when it comes to walking yeah. as far as you can see, is to, well, I can see this. So, for example, if I need to do the film, and it's going to be in Hollywood, or it's going to be in the cinemas, or it's going to be on Netflix, okay, well, what do I need to do right now? Okay, well, right now, I just need to get the first draft of the script done. Right? Because that's as far as I can see right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to walk there, and once I've got the first draft, now what do I see? Oh, okay, well, I see a final draft. Okay, forget about everything else. Yeah. Okay, do that. And then basically do it one step at a time. And for me, that's really resonating at the moment. There we go. Look at that, eh? Amazing. It's a shame that the audience can see the visual. Yeah. I love the a masterpiece, yeah? Yeah, maybe you should do that as a quick video clip. Maybe, yeah. When you leave. Let's do it. And post it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, I love that quote. And I think it makes so much sense in many aspects you can use it apply it to all parts of your life yes because i think sometimes we often look at the end yes you need to know your destination but it's not the bees all end look at those little steps the shadows create you know and reach mm -hmm. them get to that point then what can you see next yeah exactly brilliant right so uh we've got half an hour before we finish uh so lots to get through Social Impact Initiative. Tell us a little bit about that, because you're the founder of this. Oh, say that again. That sounds good. I'm the founder. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So founder. I, you know what? This actually kind of comes to walk as far as you can see. And with Social Impacts Initiative, I've had like different businesses before that. And at the time, I thought I resonated with it. 
but really I just needed to pay bills and uh, and it, it will always get to a stage where you don't but that resonance because it's not there it creates a big impact mm. in your world you know at least burnout leads to depression leads to everything else with the social impact initiative it's like okay well what do I want to do in this world well I want to create social impact and I want to create pockets of impact so I'm going to create a company that's just going to do that and that's what I thought of at the time and it, you know it's an in, it's an initiative mm. and now uh, I have my book launch academy which is under that and, and that you know, is in alignment with it because everybody who writes a book, whether it's about domestic violence, whether it's about sexual abuse as a child, whether it's about rape at a party when you're 24, that with each book comes a message and with each message it can build a movement and with each movement it can create social change. So that's one example of that um, and then everything else that I want to do in the future will definitely fall under that too. Amazing. Yeah, one of your quotes is, uh, social impact uh, initiative has been created to help people turn their pain into their purpose and create movements of social change within the world. There we go. Yeah. Should have just said that. I could have. <laughs> but then why are you here? I know. <laughs> I could just read your whole book. That's it. Might as well not been here. <laughs> that wouldn't be any fun. No. At all. And the message wouldn't be the same. No, it wouldn't. It's it absolutely wouldn't. wonderful having you here sharing all of this with us. Um, so you've mentioned your, actually, before we go on to your documentary movie, and I want you to talk about your coaching program, because you, you mentioned that a little bit. The people that you have in your book that have shared their stories, how did you go about collating them? Yeah, so... Were the people already sharing their stories out there, or mm -mm. was this their first step? First step. Wow, okay. For, for a good, about half of them first step like the ones who half of them are unnamed right mm. so the unnamed ones they're all first step and then there was a couple of them who were named what was their first step too they came because before the book this so the charity in in america we rescue kids that was created before the book came out right because i like i said i was using social media and had a bunch of stuff go viral especially on tiktok and then with the viral videos on TikTok, because at the time you couldn't message people on TikTok, mm. so they came over to my Instagram, and then that's when just floods of messages every single day. I'm talking sometimes it was upwards of over a hundred. Wow! Great, and they were all from at the time they were all from ranging from kids to teenagers to like roughly like maybe twenty twenty one. They weren't really older than that. So within that sort of demographical uh, area, and so I would get that's all crazy. these messages. Mm from people saying hey you know this is this is has happened to me hey perry this is happening to me and uh the stories from the book i had asked a couple of them who i knew would probably say yes mm. i didn't want to ask somebody who i who i thought would say no because i just didn't want to put that idea in their mind uh, but i i just gauged on instinct on would they maybe say yes and i was right and they and they just say yes and and that's who they are in the book yeah well, you know, it, just hearing you say that, the age and the demographics, it's just shocking. It's shocking to hear it. Well, it, it, it is. It is. And I think before I, I did all my stuff on Facebook and I had older people. And then TikTok first kind of came about. And I was like, okay, now I'll go on there and it's just these kids dancing. And that's all there was. And I was like, okay, I know that if I'm talking about child abuse... When did they get abused? Well, as children. 
can I contact these guys? Can I talk to the, the, to the kids or to the teenagers who very recently gone through it, maybe a couple of years ago? And I was like, well, TikTok has that demographic through and through right now. So that's why I, I you know, had all those people reach out to me because they saw it um, on TikTok and that was the demographic. But it, regardless, so it is still a big lump in the throat uh, and a good old gut-wrenching feeling uh, knowing that these kids are out there and it's happening to them or it's happened to them. But we just have to look at the statistics. Mm. One, the statistics show that it's bad. But two, we know that statistics aren't exactly yeah. a reflection, which makes it even worse. Do you find that um, you're having more adults, grown-ups, approaching you about their story of what happened when they were younger, now that they're a lot older, so it, the older generation? Yeah. It, for the last couple of years, it's more so been that. Wow. So since April, May, um, I think it was like March, April time, I think, May, I went to Greece, my girlfriend and her parents. And I, was, uh, and I was there, I was like, and I just came up with this wacky idea. I'm like, right, I'm going to do a real day. One, real, one video real day. Because it was, like, it was like relatively new. It'd been on there, but like nobody was really taking advantage of it. I was like, well, okay, it's really it's just a TikTok. And I know that Facebook are trying to sort their game out. Otherwise, they're going to get left behind. So they want to become a content creating platform. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing a real day. And my first reel that I'd done of my story that I put on, just blew up and that's at 15 and a half million views at the moment wow yeah and since then i've got over 130,000 followers on facebook just from doing the video reels and because of the the, the demographic on facebook and they're all adults they're all parents or well they primarily are parents mm-hmm. um especially over 25s uh, so, and I'm getting now, any, and it still has been since then, anywhere between, on a low end, 20, to upwards of about 50 messages a day in my outbox on Facebook. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. If, if my, if, uh, I haven't done a reel for the last, I think maybe three mm. days I haven't done a reel. And so my message would drop to about five. I never get less than five a day, brand new, never, since then. Mm. Uh, and that's all people breaking their silence or or just sharing a story that they've told many times but they want to share it again but it's mainly breaking their silence because it feels it's the right time and they want to yeah they're like oh my god you're speaking about your granddad Mm -hmm. well it happened to me it was my dad it was my mum it was my sibling you know and uh, you know it's basically giving them permission hey you're not a freak you're not weird Mm -hmm. you can tell me yeah I mean that gets completely all blown up when you think that family especially within families, it's not even a stranger, that they're there they, to protect us, to know us, and then all of a sudden that protection doesn't exist or it's disappeared. Yeah, and, and just look at how that can create a mistrust in somebody for, for forever. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So talk to us um, about your documentary and your coaching programme. How does it work if, you know, people out there are interested in reaching out to you in a way that they can break their silence. Yeah, sure. I'll talk about the, the coaching program first because I think there'd probably be a bit more to say about the documentary. So the coaching program is, I had a lot of people, as my audience started to grow from the Facebook reels, I had a lot of people saying, hey, I want to write a book too. I want to write a book too. I want to write a book too. I'm like, okay, well, 
there's a problem here that needs to be solved. So let me create a solution. So then I created uh, the Book Launch Academy, and it's helping survivors to write and launch a powerful book in 60 days. So that's what the coaching program is. And it's essentially, um, I'm very, very heavy on the structure of the book first and getting clarity over your story. A lot of people like, they'll sit down like, oh, okay, I've got the story in my head. I'm going to get a piece of paper and I'm going to open up a Google document and I'm just going to start writing. And then two pages in and they're like, oh, okay, where do I mm. go now? I'm like, okay, well, that's great that you've done it. Okay, get out of your system. But now what we want to do is we want to figure out what your story is. We want to unravel your story completely. Okay, and then from your story, we want to figure out what your message is. Then from that, we want to figure out what the book structure is going to be. Let's create all the chapters. Okay, then look at the story that you've written out. And let's take that story and start splitting it up into these chapters. And just do a rough write. Then from a rough write, okay, now finalize this first draft. Mm -hmm. Boom. And then once they've got all that structure done, they're just writing like that. Because... They, they got the clarity and they got the, the, yeah. the path to follow which they've created themselves mm. they haven't just listened to me you know because I can't tell you what structure you need to pick yeah. it's your story yeah absolutely so that's what the program is um, it's a group coaching program so you have a call a week and then have a video course that they can follow along with the videos and the worksheets and the modules um, so yeah so that's the program so if people are interested in the program they can just yeah reach out to me um, and then I can send them a link to well, if they have any questions but if they want to reach out to me to sign up then I have a link for like a, a page which they can have a look at okay. more information if they want to they can sign up through that so first they don't have to connect with you first um, of course where, I want to know course. everybody first of yeah. course uh, um, what link is that where can they connect you yeah, well, well connect, you, uh, connect with you. <laughs> yeah, connect with me. Yeah, it's just just Perry Power. Uh, I am Perry Power on Instagram. If you're an Instagrammer, TikTok is the same thing. Facebook is Perry W Power. Um, so yeah, just just reach out to me. I'd, here's the thing: when somebody wants to write a book, I want to know what the story is first. Absolutely. So in the DMs, I'm like, okay, tell me what your book is about. What's the message of the book? Why do you want like how do you want your book to impact others? You know, I don't just want anybody in my program. I want I want to know. How they're going to make a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. in themselves exactly. and then in others. Exactly. Because some people, they'll write a book. Some people are leading with writing a book for themselves because it's therapeutic. And you've got the other people who are, who are leading with writing a book for others. But they still want to do both. It's kind of like 80% I'm writing a book for me. But 20%, if it helps somebody, that's great. Mm. And you've got the other people, wait, 80% that I need to change the world with this. Mm. And 20%, I probably knows that it's going to help me along the way as two. But both of those, I need to know yeah. where you're at. It comes to your why and your purpose exactly. at the end of the day. Um, the documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, we were talking about it before. You brought up, you said, you know, about familial abuse. And I think when it comes to. People will talk about rape, which is great. Yeah? Even though all these conversations need to come up more anyway. But people will talk about rape at a party. Somebody talk about being molested by a neighbor. Okay? Uh, to a degree, they will talk about this. But I believe it's almost as if, like, it's the last taboo talking about your dad molesting you when you're growing up, talking about your mum selling you off for prostitution as a child because you can't afford food, talking about your grandparents molesting you. That, nobody wants to talk about that. Why? I can list you a hundred and one reasons why you don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay? So because you don't want to talk about it, it lives in silence. So what happens when it lives in silence? Well, yeah, nobody knows about it. But it eats away at you, okay? And that silence will kill you at some point, right? My dad is a prime example. My dad died from a heart attack at the age of 48 years old. He was an alcoholic, high blood pressure, diabetic. And I found out after he died that he was abused by the same man that abused me, right? Uh -huh. So my dad lived and died in silence. 
So the topic of intrafamilial abuse needs to be something that's talked about. It has to be something that's talked about. And it's the one thing that people don't want to talk about. No. So I will come along and shout it and talk about it. And that's what the documentary is going to be about. It's going to be a specific viewpoint on intrafamilial abuse. And it's basically going to be like, well, in the family dynamics, you're abused by dad. Okay, listen, son, we're going to push it underneath the rug. Don't talk about it. Mm. Okay. Well, we want to lift up the rug and the documentaries of you underneath that rug. Right. Here is how big it is. I watched a documentary recently, um, Beneath the Surface, Storyville. BBC. Great documentary. It's about this town in Norway. Oh, yes. Yeah? I saw that, yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, so how great... So, I mean, you had this, the the racism and, and everything like that, but, but there was threads of intrafamilial abuse. Absolutely. And you yeah, see the videotape and mm. stuff like that, right? So it's like, well, they were like, well, in, in a place of 2,000 people, how can there be over 150 people talking about being abused? Yeah. yeah? And then I'm like, yes. Okay, but what I want to shine a light on is like, did you know that sexual abuse happens within families in every single town, in every country of the world? And even more so in certain traditions, right? Absolutely. Where secrecy is even more. So that's what the documentary is about. And the feature film is basically going to be a drama vised uh, version of it for the screen, for, you know, a um, feature film. Where the documentary is going to be a, you know, obviously a real, a real life mm. documentary, unscripted. Amazing. And this is already in process. Both are. Yeah, both are. Both are. Okay, so early days for both early of them, days, but, but the, it's happening. So it's happening, yeah. uh, do keep us posted on where things are at. Of course, uh, absolutely needed. Uh, yeah, you're right. The conversations need to be happening around this. Um, in terms of your charity, we talk. Sorry, we talk. Uh, we together charity. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah. So. The We Together charity is something that I was asked to be a trustee on very recently. And they approached me because of social media. And I was blown. I, I won't lie. I didn't understand. I, did, I didn't understand exactly where they were coming from until they told me as if I was a baby. Which it comes to sometimes you just need to speak to somebody as if they're a baby yeah, to understand absolutely. it. And they spoke to me as if I was a baby. And I was like, oh, wow, that's powerful. I was like, how does this not even exist? And when you can have that as a reaction... It's like, okay, well, now this needs to be done. And essentially, let's just pretend I open up the door and a postman comes in and he molests me. He doesn't rape me, but he he molests me. I then go to the police station and say, my postman molested me. Okay, and they do some type of examination or that's, you probably won't even get that far, right? But they're going to ask for proof. If there's no proof, there's no cameras, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. They always ask the postman, put a letter through his door, Mm -hmm. right? Is he going to go anywhere? No. Less than 1% of cases actually make it to court, right? So what we together is all about is a self-reporting system. So now what I can do on this database that's in alignment with GDPR regulations, there are no names or anything like that, mm-hmm. okay? But it's kind of, it's like circumstantial, situational, uh, I was molested by a postman in Bromley, okay? On this mm-hmm. date, and it happened here. And then if somebody else uses the system and reports uh, uh, being molested by a postman also in Bromley, maybe a year ago, right. it creates a cluster. Mm. And then there'll be situations where there's more reportings of that. And then you can talk about historical abuse, right? It depends on the details that, put, that the person mm. puts in. But then it creates a cluster. Then with that cluster, then it goes to authorities and it increases the chances of it actually going to trial. Because there's a cluster. There's more than one voice attached to it. So that's mm. what We Together is all about. Amazing. 
Yeah, you're right. I don't think there's anything like that. No. Not that I know of, anyway. No, there's a, there's a lot. There's a few police on. There's GDPR specialists. There's um, barristers that's on board. So it's like it's wanted by a lot of people. So when was this set up? Um, <laughs> if you're listening, we together, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, it, <laughs> um, it was. I, I did tell you I'm quite organic. One of my questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, recently. Yeah. I mean, what's important here is the fact that, you know, you've got this charity and it's to make a difference out there and you've got important people on board. Yeah. And um, it's a channel to find out what's going on. Exactly. And get those people. Yeah. That are doing this. Yeah. And for it to go through. And um, we rescue kids. Yes. We rescue kids. Talk about that. It's really interesting. I love it uh, that you've got this. Yeah, it's, we, we give, essentially, in a nutshell, we give free mental health care to child survivors of sexual abuse. Essentially what we do. To begin with, we wanted to do that, plus have boots on the ground and intercept child sex trafficking rings and things of that nature. But as we've progressed and we've matured in a charity and what we're doing, we've decided to just focus on just mental health care. And whether we get referrals or whether we uh, they reach out to us themselves and then we can put them into our program a mental health care program and then basically they get partnered up with a child license licensed child therapist of ours and then they go from a therapy program whether it's three months whether it's six months whether it's a year it's whenever the therapist believes it's not like a six session thing it's like when the therapist believes hey you're okay now to a degree you know then that's basically what we do great Right, I'm going to throw a, a curveball here. Oh, uh, not no. another date or no. not another quote. <laughs> no. On this, are the children approaching you to be in this program of mental health to come to you? Um, you know, uh, we rescue kids. How long does it take? Because there's so many, so much support out there, but there are politics around uh, go jumping through um, hoops and assessments and all of this before they can actually get help at the end and sometimes it's it's really late and what they've gone through will be even harder to overcome how quickly is this process for them to get a therapist oh is it actually getting a therapist themselves yeah within we rescue kids the process of it yeah yeah as in what we tend to do is if if 99.9 percent of how we get in contact is 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 either um, a counsellor, okay, uh, or a social worker would contact us about a kid that's either in their care or kids in their care, um, or with uh, the name's gone out of my head, um, a foster care services mm-hmm. that reach out to us. And so, what tends to happen is, it, let's just say somebody reaches out to us today, then we contact our therapist then we have a call with usually how it's been working recently is we have a call with the social worker for example and they'll tell us more about the kid then what we do if there's parents involved then we have a call with the parents next mm-hmm. then we have a call with the kid then the first session starts so i'm saying like there's no there's no waiting about it can happen within a month okay a couple of weeks because yeah. we, we because because children are involved we need to have a call yeah yeah we have to, yeah and we have to we have to call the person who's reached out to us and we have to if possible, talk to the parents. If you can't talk to the parents, for example, if they're in foster care, then it's probably a bit speedier because then the person who's in charge is usually the person who's reached out to us and they can get started pretty quick. That's amazing. 
Because there's always, uh, this is the debate I have with a lot of different types of services and working within the uh, primary sector as a teacher, uh, I'm an ex-teacher, some of the uh, processes to get in in place takes so long. You've got to report it to this person, then the next person, and the next, and the next. And, yeah, it's just, it prolongs their healing. It does, yeah, and it can make them feel like... Not valid, not important. yeah. You know, if if they're asking for help, they should have help very, very quickly. Not, okay, well, listen, I know you want help, but there's a system here that we have to follow. Which, to, there's always yeah, systems. To a degree, you've there's, got to have something. Exactly, but especially with, like, governmental, um, especially, services, there's a lot more hoops to jump through, um, which I think is a plus for things like charities, especially smaller charities, mm. because they don't have the footfall slash the politics that larger corporations have which creates the hoops that people have to jump through yeah um so i think it's finding a way that as the charity really grows how can you not how can you avoid the politics that come with larger things right and just keep it acting as if you're still a small charity if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah yeah right um i wanted to ask you what are your key messages to people out there that have or are suffering from sexual abuse so what are your you know two three key messages i know there's probably a lot more than that but the the most you know three most important yeah. you would say okay first one is break the silence to yourself first in as many different ways as possible and then to others um if you've been listening to this whole show you'll know why if you've just tuned in very, very quickly, is because you don't want to seek validation from somebody else's opinion, even if it's your partner, even if you believe you can trust them. You just don't know. You just don't know. And their heart can be in the right place, but it may just not give you a reaction that you want. So break the science to yourself first. Could be writing a poem, doing a song, um, making a piece of pottery, which acts as a physical representation of your of your truth. And then break the silence to an external being um at some point step 10 step 12 step 14 so that's the first one okay because that allows you to take ownership over your story which then kind of leads naturally into the second one which is that uh tony robbins says a lot and i use this as an example he says a lot to change your story change your life which i agree with i think that's very very powerful but i think when it comes to specifically survivors of abuse they try to get rid of their story they try to run away from their truth so rather than trying to change their story, they need to own the story that they've lived because it's happened. And not accepting that it's happened mm-hmm. is going to have an opposite effect. You don't need to change anything. Own it. Once you've owned your story, because when you go through abuse, usually the abuser has taken away your power. okay, And they've yeah. taken away your ownership. You don't feel like you own your body mm-hmm. because it was abused. Yeah. So if you can own your story, then you can own your life. And you can actually, and that's a very powerful, powerful position to be in when you can actually take ownership. Uh, and then you'll actually notice your life has changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you're not living that life anymore where you're, you've still got these chains wrapped around you, being held back by somebody. I, you know, my step granddad died when I was, I, I don't know, like, I think maybe 13, 14, probably about 13. And um, when I was 20 and I was living in silence, he was still controlling me. I didn't, mm. I didn't have any... Where's, where's my power? I didn't have it. He had it. 
but he's in the ground. How does that make sense? <laughs> right? Yeah. See what I mean? So we have to take ownership over the story in order to take ownership over the life that we live and that we want to live. And then the third one is I will always uh, highlight this, and that's forgiveness. Mm. Okay, for me, uh, I have a Facebook group called The Power Tribe, and uh, if you're a survivor of abuse, then you can join that as a free group. It's like 1,200 people in there, all survivors of child sexual abuse. And it's a very, very supportive vibe in there. And this, you know, I, I, and I, I just raise a question every now and then. Who's found forgiveness? Small portion are in alignment with what I, I'm about to say. The majority are like, ah, I, can't, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. They abused me. They raped me. Whoever, you know, all right? And it's like, well, listen, what we know about forgiveness up to this point is wrong. Okay, because forgiveness yeah. is nothing to do with the abuser. They say they treat forgiveness as a get out of jail free card for the abuser. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with them. Forgiveness is you realizing your power, realizing that without forgiving that person, you don't need to forget. You can't forget. It's impossible to forget. You you will remember it. Mm-hmm. You, and also, me saying forgive the person, you might think, well, I don't, does that mean I have to sit down and have lunch with them? You know, yeah. are we friends now? Well, no. You can say, listen, I respectfully don't ever want to see you again, but I forgive you. You're obviously a hurt person. I hope that you seek help if that's in prison, if they got convicted, or if for some reason they didn't get convicted, get some therapy. Do something. Sort your life out so you don't do it to somebody else. But I forgive you. And that right there is powerful. Powerful, powerful. Very, very powerful. Very, very quickly, just finished reading a book called Spotlight, mm-hmm. which is a book version of the movie called Spotlight. Uh, very powerful book. And I actually wrote a book, uh, I believe, after the movie. And uh, they have, like, reporting. Basically, Spotlight's about uh, all of the Catholic priests that molested all of the kids, right? Yeah. So the Boston Globe and that, uh, the whole story unfolved, um, unfolded. And in there, there was a very, there was a scene. I was like, jeez. I was like, wow, powerful. Basically, Father Geek, uh, Geegan, I think you pronounce his name. Uh, Father Geegan, he was notorious for molesting all these kids, okay? And there was a scene in, in, in the book where one of the survivors, as, a, as an adult, went into the church, said, Father Gideon, I know what happened, right? You abused me, you raped me, okay? And he goes, uh, and Father Gideon goes, yeah, but, you know, it's your fault, right? He didn't take ownership for anything, okay? And then he turned around and said, I just want to let you know that I forgive you. And then in the scene, Father Gideon stood out of his chair, goes, how dare you? What are you trying to say? Mm. And he goes, and I can't remember this next part um, because it's a passage out of the Bible, but it was something along the lines of you, if, if a sin has been created, the best thing to do is to forgive them for their sins or something. It was something along yeah. those lines. Mm. But I, I read it and I just had to put the book down. I was like, if there is no better example of forgiveness, I don't know That's what right. is. Yeah. There's a quote in my book. I, I think it's the quote, Nelson Mandela, you know, he, yeah. about his imprisonment. Mm. Yeah, and, there's uh, something in there. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's another example of a man who comes out of prison and forgiving the people who put him in there. The forgiveness is not about the abuser. The forgiveness is about you claiming your power and you being able to move forward powerfully and uh, taking control. So that's the third thing. Wow. Yeah. Three amazing messages out there um, to take on board and really think about. Right, to kind of wrap up here, what, you know, just what has been your biggest inspiration? Oh, um, okay, Moving two. forward or change. Two, yeah, yeah it's right. It's a tough one. It is tough. I've got two inspirations. One, 
is, and every every dog owner will be able to relate to this. One of my inspirations was my dog Amara, because Amara, towards the end, she was in pain. She was, you know, uh, blood coming out of both ends. She was in a, a lot of pain. But when she saw me, right, waggy tail, jumping mm-hmm. up, wants to go for a walk, right? She just wanted to love and protect. And when my dad passed away, she never stepped up by me in my bed. She always sat at the end of the bedroom. But the night that my dad passed away, she came up to next to my bed and she stepped on the floor. She did it for nearly two weeks. Wow. And I never asked her to come up. She just done it. And one of my inspirations is looking at dogs, in my example, looking at Amara, and just treating everybody with love and kindness. Okay? Because if dogs can do it unconditionally, love and treat people, and that comes back to the forgiveness, because forgiveness is an act of love. Yeah. And love is the most powerful thing on the planet. Okay? It can heal any wound. Mm. So that's what I got from Mars, one of my biggest inspirations. And then the other one is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He's been my inspiration since I was a kid. When I used to grow up, I used to do the people's eyebrow. I used to have, <laughs> I used to have all of the, um, the wrestling gear. He was literally my idol. Then as I grew and the acting took over my life, and then incorporating business, and you look at The Rock, how he left WWE, went into the movie world, and said, no, you can't do any of these type of movies because you're just a, a meathead, right? Mm-hmm. And you're a crap actor, right? He's like, okay, well, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to create my own production company. I'm going to do this myself. And I look at him. Most paid, most successful actor of all time, The Rock is. We're not going to say the best actor of all time, no. but the most successful, and, and his story is just phenomenal. And uh, so he's one of my biggest inspirations, and one of my goals in life is to do it bigger and better than The Rock. And I will tell them one day. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I hope you do. <laughs> oh, fact. <laughs> you know, that message about the dog, uh, Sarah Marsh Collins will definitely be in listening to that. She's a huge dog lover. She's got Ellie and Barney. Oh, hello, and Ellie and Barney. And she's taken on with her boyfriend, uh, Bear, who's also oh, adorable, or huge Rockweiler. Oh, he beautiful. Thinks... That's what Amara was a Rockweiler German oh, Shepherd. Really? Yeah, she's mixed. Yeah, this one's uh, an adolescent, but. Um, very, very big, bigger yep. than me, yep. uh, but still thinks it's a pup. Oh, yeah, there we go, there we go. <laughs> anyway, you know what? It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and I think we need to get you back on because there's so much we can talk about. Yeah, So talk many different angles mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, sexual abuse and all the other things that you've mentioned. Um, I love what you're doing keep doing what you're doing because the silence doesn't has to be broken yeah um and thank you most importantly thank you for sharing your story so openly here on mindset matters no worries thank you for having me on any last messages before we say goodbye uh just that if you are a survivor and you're looking for a place to break your silence or to not feel alone then to join the power tribe um but also Again, break the silence to yourself first and then to others. Yeah. And if anyone has been affected today listening in, please, please, please do reach out and speak to your GP, speak to an expert professional, speak to somebody, even pick up the phone or use social media and get in touch with Perry, Perry Power. There we go. There we go. Not perimenopause, perimenopause. (laughs) Perry power. (laughs) Perry power. Right. And on that note, I would like to thank Intune PR with a passion enormously for sponsoring the Mindset Matters talk radio show and the difference that they are making to help share and bring about the importance of mental health and well-being. 
do continue to tweet in, share your stories, and I'm going to leave you with my mission, which is to empower your mind to live the life that you desire by helping you find and forge your path. Keep safe, keep well, and I'll see you. Oh, look, look, try that again. I'll see you here next week. Take care. The Mindset Matters Show, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Zenat Numrani on Channel 2 Radio. Gotta keep 